readings uh, from John. John encompasses the second week of Advent and he also encompasses the third week of Advent because his character and his nature is that important to the proclamation story. So we have here a, a, a different, it's different gospel and it's a slightly different approach. It's not John coming with the, with the call to repent and be baptized as we heard last week. This is a call for John to explain who he is and why he's doing what he's doing. Reading from the Gospel of John. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Then they said to him, well, who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. And the prophet Isaiah said, now they had been sent from the Pharisees and they asked him, why then are you baptizing if you were neither the Messiah? nor Elijah, nor the prophet. John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know. This one is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. This took place in Bethany across Jordan where John was baptizing. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of the Holy Word. You may be seated. Let us pray. Loving and most merciful God, we thank you for this day as you have given it to us. And we thank you for the season of Advent as we're rapidly moving through this season already in the third week. We ask now that you would help us once again kindle in our hearts the themes of hope, peace, and today joy in the anticipation of being able to have those Christ encounters where and how you will them. May the words of my mouth, meditations of our hearts, be acceptable to you. Bless, keep, and guide us now and always. Amen. I like John the Baptist. I don't know if I could do an entire year on talking about John the Baptist, and I don't know if any of you would want me to do an entire year talking about John the Baptist, unless I did it like, you know, in, in, in character, like I was hinting at last week with the camel's hair and being down at the river and growing some dreadlocks, just basically being a spectacle which I try to be each Sunday when I feel the need. So today, we're looking at John, who is, uh, think, about, think about Christmas, think about the, the whole notion of, of, of gift giving, you can do this on your birthday as well, but it's more exciting with Christmas, the sort of uh, emblematic individual who's trying to guess what is in the box. And... There was always, uh, you know, as a, as a kid, you figured that, yes, my hearing is so attuned that if I shake this, I will know exactly what it is. Or if you shake it, you might break whatever it is. Well, there's that really strange notion of, of somehow putting your head really close, you know, and, and, and attuning your, your hearing that you're just going to know what the contents are. You're like, yes, I, I surmise that this is going to be, uh, it's, it's an erector set, or no, it's... 
It's monopoly. I, I, no, no, it's, it's something, it's a soft blanket that's been made by my aunt in Bethesda. I don't know, right? But there's a sense in which we're going to shake the knowledge out of this. Well, this is, this is how I encounter today's text. When you have uh, the, the Pharisees and the Levites, the, the who's who, and the church authorities of the day, they go, hey, what's going on with this John guy? And this John guy is down there by the River Jordan. He's preaching with all sorts of intensity. He's quite a spectacle. Go out and find out what his game is. Because whatever he's going to hit us with, we need to know. We need to be, uh, we need to be uh, ready for whatever this, this, this John guy is, is going to do. So they send emissaries out to basically shake John's box, shake his, his, his message and try to figure him out. And they, they pepper him with questions. Who, who are you? Right? Because you don't look like anyone from around here and, and, and you, don't, you don't style yourself like anyone around here and you've set yourself apart and everything that you've done has called us into sort of, you know, you, our curiosity and our awareness is heightened. You're suspect, John. And we, and we need some answers. So we come as representatives of the authorities who are trying to figure out, what's your game, right? <laughs> like, what's your racket, son? So they hit him. They go, look, you can, you can tell us. Right? We have it on the highest authority that whatever you tell us will be held in confidence, <laughs> right? Are you the Messiah? And, and you can imagine, you can imagine John taking the time to, to field these questions because that's time away from him preaching the message of get your minds right, right? This is preaching the mind, the message of, of turn yourself around and repent and be baptized. But that's fine. He's there as, an, as somebody who is called to prepare. And if answering their questions is going to assist them in their preparation, he's willing to take the time to do that. I am not the Messiah. But that's not good enough for them. We know you're somebody because you're out here doing things that look very messianic and you're getting people's all whipped up into the understanding that the Messiah is close at hand. So, okay, if you're not the Messiah, are you Elijah? And Elijah was that great prophet of God from the Hebrew scriptures who didn't, didn't die a conventional death. He, he ascended into the heavens in a fiery chariot while his protege, Elisha, looked on. And we, we, don't, know, we don't know what became of Elijah uh, because he was, he was sort of carried off, you know, in this fiery chariot. It didn't seem like a conventional death. Uh, there was still life in his body as he ascended and, and, and was obscured by the heavens. So maybe Elijah has returned, and, right? Because if you ascended into a fiery chariot and you came back, you might look like John the Baptist. You might, you might look a little run over. So they're looking at the, are you, are, are you Elijah? I am not. And then the one that I like is, are you the prophet? Right? It sounds like some, some you know, some, uh, some self-styled superhero, you know. I am the prophet. It's the prophet, you know. No one can withstand their, their word of truth. And he says, I am not. And he said, well, and this is where if he, if he won't, if he just won't give them a straight answer, then he needs to justify what he's doing. And then what are, you, what are you doing? What's with the baptism thing? Why, why, are you, why are you doing this? 
And we have to, maybe there's some part of us that has to come down with some level of appreciation for those who are questioning John because we don't like, we're no more comfortable being left in suspense than the next person, right? We, we want to know what we're going to get hit with. Maybe some of us actually like surprise parties, right? Maybe we actually like walking into darkened rooms thinking we're coming home, right? And then all of a sudden it was like, you're like, oh, who set this up? Because I want to know who to jack up when this is all done. Because right, I thought I was just coming home, I had bath on my mind, I had my show, right? I was ready to go. Now I got to deal with you people. Do not surprise birthday party me, okay? Just giving you a heads up. Not that you would ever want to do that anyway. It's like, like we want to spend time with you, William? Come on. Uh, so there's that sense in which these individuals, <laughs> you were thinking about it. This, this suspect pew here. You're thinking about these people don't want to be left in suspense. They see John's doing a thing. The authorities that sent them see that John is doing a thing. And if we could just figure out who he is, who he's working for, what he's about, we could feel more comfortable with that thing that he is doing. We could, we could accept his baptism. We could accept his call to repentance because then we know, okay, this is all a setup. This is all a plan towards something. So John says, all right, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. There is a Messiah. You don't know him. He has not yet arrived. I am trying to prepare the ways for him, but he will come and baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is like as much information as John can give them so they can get some level of comfort, some level of preparation in anticipation for when the Messiah arrives. That's as much as he, he's able to give them because he himself does not know. He goes, I don't know what the Messiah, who it's going to be. I just know that I am called to proclaim the way of the Messiah to get people's hearts and minds ready for this momentous occasion when the Messiah arrives and begins to proclaim the good news of God. Why is that John's Baptist proclamation good for us today? Well, like I said, we're in that time where it's like already but not yet. And the already part is that, yes, Jesus has ascended, but the not yet is that he has not yet returned. So we, as people of faith, live in that already but not yet time frame where, yes, the, the Easter season has, has fulfilled. The first Easter is done. Jesus has ascended. He has is, he is triumphed over you know, all the, the world's brokenness, but yet we have not yet encountered that second return. So we are still excitingly, uh, expectantly shaking the box Hoping, is this going to be the moment? Now, what does that mean for us in terms of how we conduct our, our daily routine? If it is the case that we still have yet to encounter the, the incarnate Christ, or even elements of the incarnate Christ, then we still operate in a state of expectancy. When something has already been accomplished, when something has been, has been completed, when something has been encountered, it's now behind us. It's now done. It's like, yes, yes, I've, I've, I've read that book. I have completed that movie. I have done this, these sets of prerequisites. I have earned that degree. That is over. That's done. But when you have something that lies and stretches out in front of you, there is a sense of anticipation. 
there's a sense of expectancy, there's a sense of excitement, if you will. Can I do this thing? Do I, you know, now I have graduated, <laughs> can I do this thing for which I have put so much time and so much study in? That is where we are as contemporary people of faith. That every time we enter into our time of devotions, every time we enter into our worship, every time we greet each new day, we are living with a sense of expectancy that there is something that God is going to show us in this time frame, in this day, that we, we can't really anticipate. But we, are, we keep ourselves attuned and we keep ourselves aware that when it springs forth, hopefully we will be able to recognize that. The acts of service, the call to service, the call to perhaps maybe adjust or deviate the schedule, uh, the inclination to enter into devotions, to pray with someone, to go to worship. All of these things are not happenstance, they are calls of God. Like, today, I need you to do this thing. We hear that call, we complete the connection. And that is how we live our lives until, well, our very last. Because the expanse of what God has to show us is so vast that we cannot accomplish, we cannot exhaust it in the course of our life. So there's always something to look forward to. There is always some, uh, some divine moment which lies ahead of us, which gives us joy. That's why we light the candle of joy today, because John is not, calling, John is not taking these questions and being cagey in answering them so as to disappoint the people, his inquisitors, it is not designed to make them ill at ease. It is designed to percolate their joy. It is designed to cultivate their anticipation, their eagerness. That if John, because if John is the end deal, they go, are you the Messiah? He's like, no, you, you don't want me to be the Messiah. They go, whew, that's a good thing. Because I thought this raggedy man was the Messiah. If he's not the Messiah, we still have something more exciting to look forward to. It's not this guy out here with the matted hair and the camel skins. It's not him. We're not waiting for him. And it's a good thing. We're waiting for somebody else. So the excitement comes back into them. The enthusiasm returns to them. They have not reached the finish line. We have not reached the finish line. There is still more to discover. And maybe that's, that aspect of joy doesn't really envelop us as much in the season of Advent as it does for Christmas. Because you get to Christmas and then there's so much baggage that comes with Christmas and and, and Christmas is that season which has been so heavily co-opted by every aspect of the world that you can't, you know, you cannot run the joy of Christmas, right? The big tree coming after you, or the little tree, <laughs> the little tree coming after you. Ah. <laughs> I'm not making fun of our little tree. <laughs> it's easy to top. Look at this. It's easy to get the star on there. I mean, that's true. That's nice. It's not one of, one of these deals where you're like... <laughs> For those of you who liked, like, the 13-foot tree. Like, people build vaulted houses just so they can have the big tree. Okay, big tangent. Back to the joy of the Advent season. The joy of the Advent season lets us know that, first of all, God has created us for purpose. We have purpose. 
Don't ever let anyone question and say, you have no purpose. They don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> they don't know you. And they don't know the God that you serve. So you have purpose in you. And God has not brought you to full and complete realization yet. That is always just ahead of us. Everyone's like, oh, my best days are behind me. And this is, I'm saying this for our seniors here. I'm saying this for our seniors who think, nah, Pastor, you got it wrong, man. My best days are behind me. Wrong. That's how the world speaks. That's how the world understands. Spiritually speaking, your best days are still ahead of you. And you got to believe that. You have to believe that because God's always ready to spring forth and show us something. The question is, are we attuned? Are we ready? Are we in the proper frame of mind to receive that thing which God wants to show us? Spirituality really is all about attitude, presentation. So as we light this candle of joy and we realize that we are only, like, by next week, just a week away from Christmas, let us say lovingly in our hearts, God, thank you for giving me this moment. Thank you for, for, for giving me this opportunity to realize that I'm not played out. I might feel weary in my body. I might feel the aches and pains of age. I might even feel uh, completely befuddled with my call in life and the work that I am called to do. And I might feel like sometimes I'm the sum total of my mistakes and my worst moments. But thank you for reminding me that I am not done yet and that you are not done with me. And that is reason to be joyful. And may that joy become infectious and go viral as we share that reality with our friends and neighbors. Amen. We join together in our, is it 73? Yep. Yay! All right, 70, hymn number 73.